welcome back to another episode of the Jake Beckett Show podcast. I'm Jake Beckett, your host. Back after a week off, uh, I apologize for being absent last week, but it was very much worth the absence. Um, I spent the last week to uh, really about 10 days in Normandy, France for the 79th anniversary of the D-Day invasion, Operation Overlord. And I've got a lot to tell you about that. Uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, I certainly did. It was really a, a, a moving program, uh, really, um, I wouldn't say life-changing, but um, it was my first time over to continental Europe, and my first time to Normandy. Um, you know, as an Army veteran myself uh, who, who served in the 101st Airborne in this area, these operations are, are, part of, are part of my legacy with the 101st Airborne, part of everyone's legacy who served in the military, um, particularly in those units who participated in the D-Day operation and, and the march eastward across Europe into Germany. Um, it was a really, uh, the, the, the program was put on by the Best Defense Foundation, um, which is operated by uh, Donnie Edwards, a former NFL player, uh, and a man who truly, he and his wife Catherine, ha have a true, um, a, a true love and reverence for America's veterans, uh, particularly those of the World War II generation. Um, Donnie's been volunteering uh, and doing these programs for, I think, 15 years now. Um, he started off as a volunteer, and now he created his own foundation five or six years ago, Best Defense, BDF, and uh, it really was a first-class operation. We took 45 World War II veterans with us. Uh, it was a grueling, uh, week-long program, but well worth it. I mean, these guys are these guys are old. I mean, they're in their late 90s, uh, in some cases in their hundreds. I think the oldest on the, on the program was 102, 103. Um, but they, they are screened for uh, mobility, and, and they're all in relatively good health. I mean, a lot of them are. It's, it's amazing how well they get around for being at such an advanced age and how sharp they are mentally. Um, and, and I was a volunteer. Uh, my job was to be a caretaker for one of the 45 veterans. And I, I want to tell you about the veteran who I looked after because he, he really is a great American and, and just a, an amazing man. Uh, Sergeant Jack Foy. Um, Jack Foy was born in 1925, uh, and he left Cornell University to serve in the Army Infantry. He fought in Patton's Third Army, the 87th Infantry Division, the Golden Acorns. They are, they're no longer in existence. Um, but it really is amazing when you think about it. I mean, Jack was, he was a very intelligent, uh, young man, uh, who, who went to Cornell when he was 17. And, um, after he had turned 18, uh, he decided to leave and, and become an enlisted man in the army infantry. He, he picked up a machine. He, he left Cornell university, picked up a machine gun and, and went and won the war. I mean, that's, that really is the story of so many men of the greatest generation. And it was amazing to be around Jack and so many others who had similar stories. Um, Jack did not participate in D-Day. He was still training stateside during the Normandy invasions, but he arrived shortly thereafter with his unit. He first saw action in the Saar Valley along the French uh, and Belgian border. Uh, he fought his way into the Ardennes Forest. He fought, saw extensive action at the Battle of the Bulge. And he was a machine gunner. Uh, you know, this was a man who saw a ton of action. Uh, he said that his company of about 200 men, all Ivy League uh, students, um, uh, 80 of the 200 were killed. The rest were wounded. I think Jack said 14 of the original 200 made it through 
uh, totally unscathed. He was one of those 14. He, be, un, I say unscathed. He received three wounds. He said they were flesh wounds. Um, he was uh, a jeep. He was driving was blown up by a mine. Uh, he was he was thrown out of the vehicle into a snowbank, uh, which which probably saved his life. Uh, but he saw extensive action, a lot of heavy fighting, at the Bulge through Bastogne, through the town of Foy, which bears his name, uh, on uh, crossing the Moselle and the Rhine River. Um, and fighting his way across the Rhine, he was uh, his unit. He kind of commandeered a, a a troop transport vehicle uh, that was take ferrying soldiers back and forth across the Rhine uh, until on his last run, uh, it got it got destroyed by German fire, uh, and he swam across the Rhine to safety. Uh, he finished the war uh, in Czechoslovakia. He linked up with the Russian army in Czechoslovakia. Um, and then he was he was home in the United States on leave when the war in Japan ended. They were they were all planning to be transferred out to the Pacific for the invasion of the Japanese home islands uh, before the A bombs were dropped and Japan surrendered. But Jack, I mean, he's a he's a true hero, as I said, a, a great American, and it was a privilege to spend time with him. Uh, he's a he's a crusty guy from Rochester, New York. Great personality, great sense of humor, uh, self-deprecating, loves to joke around. Um, you know, we just we had a we had a blast, um, and and just to to be able to to take this journey with him to see these historical sites, I'll, I'll take you through the itinerary, um, and it, it really was a, a once in a lifetime opportunity um, that I did not take for granted. So um, we flew straight into uh, Deauville Airport in Normandy. Uh, Delta Airlines very generously sponsored a charter flight for the entire group uh, there and back from Atlanta to Deauville, excuse me, Deauville and back to Atlanta. So we arrived in Normandy uh, on June the 1st. Uh, we had a dinner there uh, put on by a lot of local dignitaries. And I, I will take a moment to, to express my appreciation and gratitude toward the French people, the Norman people. Um, it, it really, it's, it's hard to put them to words the reverence and respect and honor they have for these World War II veterans. You have to imagine um, the, the Normans, the, the French, they were under German occupation for four years. And they it's part of their culture, it's part of their legacy to educate uh, their children, the next generation, about this occupation, about the war. And as you can imagine, they have an unbelievable admiration for the liberators. Um, and every year when these men come over, um, I mean, I mean, the, just, we had so many parades and banquets. Uh, we went to a school uh, there in Cannes. We, we, we spent the night in Cannes at a hotel in Cannes, C-A-E-N, not, not Cannes in the south of France, Cannes in Normandy. Um, we, we stayed there at a hotel. and I mean, there, there were townspeople who were at our hotel getting autographs and pictures. And I mean, it was, it was, it was just amazing to see the outpouring of support, much more than you'd see uh, in the United States. Uh, that, that's a different story. We can get to we can get to that. Um, but we had our, our first uh, banquet there that night on the first. The second uh, was when the program really started. We went to the American Cemetery at Omaha Beach, and you know, if I had never been there, but I, I, I was I was somewhat prepared for the emotion of that. Um, you know, you, you all remember the opening scene in Saving Private Ryan, where the old man is is wandering through the the American Cemetery. That's it's that place. Um, it's, it's where that scene was filmed. And you, you, if you've never been there before, you have to go. Um, we went there twice. 
uh, on, on June the 2nd, and then on the actual anniversary for a ceremony on June the 6th. Uh, it's an incredibly moving place. Uh, over 9,000 American soldiers are buried there, um, eternally resting away from their home. Um, not all of those were killed on D-Day, um, but, but most of them were killed in the initial weeks of uh, Operation Overlord. Um, as you recall, um, the, the D-Day was just the beginning of, of the invasion. The, the, the Normandy campaign, if you will, uh, lasted for a couple of months, uh, really until Caen and, and Cherbourg and St. Lowe were secured um, and the Allies could start moving east. Um, you know, the, the, the success of the operation was far from certain, um, you know, on, on the evening of June the 6th. There, there was still a lot of work to be done. Um, so we, we visited the cemetery, um, saw, uh, got, got a great tour from one of the guys there, um, saw some of the, the more famous uh, soldiers who were, who were buried there. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt Jr. is buried there, a Medal of Honor recipient. He uh, insisted on coming ashore uh, with the initial waves uh, on the morning of June the 6th, even though he uh, had very serious health complications. He ended up dying of a heart attack, as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks later. Um, but he's buried there. Uh, he was a Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, I'll post some of these photos on social media later so you can see, but it really was amazing. We, we went from there, from the American cemetery, cemetery over to Lacombe, uh, which is the German cemetery, which was really interesting. I'm really glad that we did this. Um, you know, the, the, there are, are tens of thousands of German dead that are buried all over uh, France, um, you know, who, who were never repatriated back to Germany. Obviously, after the war, uh, Germany really no longer existed as a country. It was divided into, you know, Berlin and, and the country were divided into separate spheres of Allied and Soviet influence. Um, and so a lot of these, these German soldiers, uh, soldiers of the Wehrmacht, are, are buried there. Um, and uh, many of them are marked graves. Many are unmarked. Um, they, were, they were mass graves, four or five uh, German soldiers to a grave. And it was really interesting. Um, Jack, uh, on a previous trip to, to Normandy, he had visited the German cemetery and he told a remarkable story about um, meeting with a group of German soldiers a few years ago at the German cemetery. And he said it was a very emotional meeting, as you can probably imagine. Um, you know, he was, he was uh, openly crying as he, as he told the story. Um, but I think it brought him some closure. I mean, he was a machine gunner. He, um, you know, he was on the front lines. Um, he, he took many lives, and, and the Germans took many lives of his friends. And, um, you know, it was really poignant to hear him speak about um, that war and how he really, to, to this day, has mixed emotions about the war. Um, on a certain level, uh, he saw that the Germans as uh, his countrymen. You know, Jack Foy, I mean, he's, I mean, there's a, there's a town in Belgium called Foy. And, you know, these were Europeans fighting Europeans, uh, people of European descent fighting people of European descent. And, you know, he, he certainly felt that not all the Germans were evil Nazis, not even close. These are his words. Um, and, and so it was, a very, it was very fascinating to hear him speak about that um, and, and just to, um, to really share that with us and with me. Um, so we then went to um, a, a ceremony in the town of Carentan. If you've seen Band of Brothers, um, you know all about the Battle of Carentan. It was a very, very bloody engagement. We went to a, a Legion of Honor, Legion d'Honneur ceremony there um, in Carentan. Uh, we had a, a World War II veteran with us. 
who was a member, uh, amazingly enough, of my old unit, uh, 1327 Glider Infantry. Um, this man uh, received, uh, George Mullins received the Legion of Honor, as the French would say, Legion d'Honneur. Um, as you know from my Napoleon episode, the Legion d'Honneur was created by Napoleon in 1804, 1805. Uh, it was, it's a, a, an award. Uh, there are different classes of the award, but um, at its most original format, it is, it is a military decoration. And um, uh, Sergeant Mullins uh, received this, this award for valor uh, 79 years later um, after fighting with the 101st Airborne in France. So as you can imagine, it was an incredibly emotional ceremony. Uh, George is very old. He was in very poor health. Um, and, and he, this was his goal for years to be able to come to Carentan to receive his Legion of Honor. And he did. And as you can imagine, there was not a dry eye in the house um, to witness that ceremony. Um, there, were, there were numerous, uh, over the course of the week, as you can imagine, there were numerous um, um, uh, high-up military officers from the French military, the American military, the German military, all the allies, um, you know, there were at least half a dozen four-star generals um, from the American military um, who were there, and um, you know it was their 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 respect for these World War II veterans was palpable. Um, so that was that was June the second. Um, Saturday, June the third, uh, we had a massive parade uh, through Carrington. This was a pretty amazing ceremony. Um, we, we had a parade through the city, right to the town square. Um, if you were following my social media thread. Um, throughout the week. Um, we had a really cool ceremony right there in the town square um, where there were many reenactors who came. That's another thing about these, uh, about this, this week. This entire week, uh, Normandy week in, in France and Normandy, is just an amazing, it's, it's, it's an amazing week of celebrations. People come from all over Europe to, to witness it, uh, to be reenactors. There's a massive camp for the reenactors um, who dress in period clothing and, and live uh, in, on the outskirts of Carentan for the entire week. Um, and, and they stay there, and, and, and they, they dress up in, in uh, you know, 40s era military and civilian costumes, and there were reenactments there in Carentan. There was a massive ceremony for these World War II veterans. Um, uh, George Mullins was, again, honored for his Légion d'Honneur, um, and after that, we went to a museum there in town where they had operational World War II vehicles. That's another thing that's pretty fascinating. Um, I, I was speaking with a, a, an active-duty French soldier uh, who was a reenactor, and he was telling me that if you, if you took a metal detector really into any open field in Normandy, uh, it wouldn't take you long to start finding bullets and shrapnel and uh, artifacts from the war. I mean, there were millions of men, millions of soldiers uh, who were fighting in Normandy for many months, um, and and the Germans fought there in, in forty. And I mean, there was uh, you had the battle of the battle of uh, of Britain. Um, you know, uh, aircraft and bombs going off. I mean, it was it was a very active theater of operations, and um, you know these artifacts. I mean, a lot of stuff was left behind, and um, the the people of Normandy have have done an amazing an, an amazing job of preserving these pieces of history over the past eighty years. Um, on Sunday, June the fourth, um, it, it was a, it was a very fun day. We um, there was a, um, a a large detachment of, Amer of active duty American military soldiers who were there in Normandy for the week of celebrations. Um, there were some some uh, some airborne jumps that took place um, at this place um, outside of uh, Saint Eric Lise called La Fierre. Um, 
again, you, you recognize from um, uh, the, the series Band of Brothers, which if you haven't seen it, I recommend you watch Band of Brothers uh, after you listen to this podcast. Do it now. Um, but St. Mary Glees was uh, one of the towns directly to the south, right behind Utah Beach, where there were a lot of paratroopers dropped from the 82nd and 101st Airborne Divisions. Um, you know, their job on D-Day was to neutralize uh, German soldiers and German artillery uh, and German indirect fire on the uh, Utah and Omaha beaches. And St. Mary Glees was a very important part of that um, operation to secure that town. Uh, we had a parade through St. Mary Glees, which was just unbelievable. I mean, the, these towns are really, they are, they, they're preserved um, mostly just how they looked in 1944. Um, the, the old buildings, you know, most of them um, are, are rebuilt and very little has changed. I mean, you've got cobblestone streets. I mean, I just, I can't tell you how breathtakingly beautiful um, the region of Normandy is. I mean, it's just, it is truly, it, it just, it's truly amazing. Um, just the, the, the weather, the people, the scenery, the food, um, the, 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 the nationalistic sentiment, uh, it, it was all just, it was all so, so beautiful and so fantastic. Um, and, and that was certainly present at St. Mary Glees. We then went to Utah Beach. Uh, we saw Utah Beach and got a, a, a tour of, of the beach there. And, and then we had uh, another museum visit and, and a dinner there at the, at the museum, um, you know, which was uh, one of the many museums in Normandy uh, dedicated to the uh, Overlord operation. Uh, the next day was uh, Monday the 5th. Uh, we went, uh, we started the day with a ceremony over at Pegasus Bridge. So if you recall, this is uh, uh, more towards the Eastern Theater of Operations in Normandy. Um, there were the two American beaches. I mean, the Allies, the Allies invaded, uh, hitting five, it was five or six uh, beachheads, um, going from uh, from west to east, you had Utah and Omaha, which were the two American beachheads. And then I, I forget the order, but it was Sol uh, Sword Beach, Gold Beach, and Juneau Beach, uh, which were uh, British, Canadian, and uh, Australian soldiers, uh, mostly. Um, actually, I'm not sure about Australian soldiers, but, but for sure, uh, British and Canadian. Um, and one of the uh, operations um, for June the 6th for the British sector was to capture uh, Pegasus Bridge, uh, codenamed Pegasus Bridge. Um, and there's a, there's a fantastic museum there. Uh, we had a, a church service outdoors with an amazing band. Uh, I mean, just the, the British know how to throw uh, a ceremony with, with the pomp and circumstance. It really was phenomenal. Um, and, and just to see, just to see the, the bridge and everything that went with it. And then we went to Pont de Hoc, uh, Pont de Hoc which is, uh, for all the rangers out there, uh, it's a very special place. Um, on, on June the 6th, 1944, 2nd uh, and 5th Ranger Battalion scaled the cliffs at Point de Hoc, um, and they participated in a, really a full day of amazing mountaineering operations and heavy fighting uh, to secure those cliffs. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, famously gave a speech there um, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, 1984. Uh, you can look up that speech on YouTube, The Boys at Point de Hoc. Uh, it really is amazing, and there's uh, everything about uh, the point really is preserved. Uh, and we had a a great uh, a great uh, ceremony there. Um, there were some uh, some guys from the Ranger Battalions who were there. Um, the uh, U.S. Ambassador to France was there, gave a speech, and and some other dignitaries. Uh, we laid wreaths, and uh, it was really I mean a, a lot of the 
the craters are still there. Um, you know, the, you, you can see where uh, some of the German bunkers were located. It was really a, a well-preserved battlefield. Um, so if you go to Normandy, uh, make sure to go and see and see Point de Hoc and see what the Rangers were confronted with there on June the 6th. Um, and that really was the 5th. We, we, we went in a bit early because obviously June the 6th was the 79th anniversary of D-Day and we had a long day. Um, we started off uh, back at the U.S. Cemetery at Omaha Beach. Um, there was a massive ceremony that took place there. Um, Jack Foy, the veteran who I was taking care of, um, he gave a phenomenal speech. Uh, I'll, I'll link to it when I post this uh, video on Twitter. By the way, I've been posting all of my podcasts on Twitter. Go check them out um, if you haven't. But uh, I'll, link, I'll link his speech um, below uh, this podcast when I stream it on Twitter. Uh, it really was an amazing speech. He, he really described his service in about a 12-minute speech. It's well worth your time to hear this living history from, from someone who fought in the Ardennes, the Battle of the Bulge, with George S. Patton's Third Army. Truly remarkable. And he, you know, even though uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was there, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley, I know, I know, James McConville, uh, Army Chief of Staff, they were all there, but Jack Foy stole the show. Uh, ask anyone who was there. Um, his speech was phenomenal, and, and everyone really um, was, was very appreciative uh, and just blown away by his speaking ability at the age of 97 um, and just the, the respect and reverence that he has uh, for all of his, uh, all of his comrades uh, living and dead who fought in Normandy and in the European theater in World War II. Um, from there, um, we went back to Cannes. Uh, we had another banquet that evening. Uh, in Cannes, and then uh, Wednesday the 7th, uh, which was two days ago, um, I'm recording this on Friday the 9th, uh, we went and visited a, a, a school, uh, Joan of Arc School in, in Cannes, in the Cannes area. Um, it really was amazing uh, to see uh, these kids, I mean, they, the way they welcomed these veterans. Um, you know, we, we broke up the veterans into groups of two, and they visited several classrooms, uh, we had translators. Uh, we had a 15-year-old translator who was translating between French and English. He was phenomenal. Uh, his mother is British, and so it was it was interesting to hear this 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 young this young man speak uh, French with a French accent and English with a British accent. Uh, but he did a tremendous job translating for these veterans and the kids. I mean, I, I can't you know I'm I can go on and on about how amazing the people were. I mean, these kids they were they were respectful, they were healthy, they they. It was nothing like what you see in, in most public schools in, in America. Um, you know, these kids were French. Uh, you see very few cell phones. Um, it, it was just, the whole thing just blew me away. Uh, it, it was just, it was, it was eye-opening. Um, and on a certain level, it was, it was depressing as an American um, to see, um, you know, just what a random public school looks like in France uh, versus what, is happening in the American educational system. Um, but anyway, I don't want to detract from, from what was an amazing uh, day there spent at the school. Um, we, we really enjoyed interacting with the kids. Um, you know, we, we had a ceremony outside where some of them gave speeches. They presented the, the, the veterans with a couple of tokens of their appreciation. Uh, we had some pictures taken. Um, it was amazing. You know, I, for those of you, I, I think I mentioned on the French, uh, on, on the Napoleon podcast, I love the French national anthem, La Marseillaise. Uh, it's an amazing national anthem, and 
you know, look up the words. The, the lyrics are pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's a French revolutionary uh, tune, a very bloodthirsty time in French history, and the, the words to their national anthem reflect that. Um, you know, look, look them up. Uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to hear young kids sing that. Um, but it's, it's a very stirring national anthem. Um, and then we had our farewell dinner at, at Khan City Hall. Um, again, I, I cannot express to you just how beautiful is the city of Khan. Um, they're, they're, these buildings you know, that, that weren't destroyed in the war, uh, even the ones that were destroyed that, but were rebuilt, um, are, are just in magnificent condition. The, the architecture, the landscaping, uh, just the, the aesthetic, the paintings, uh, I mean, everything about it was just, it was just truly magnificent. Um, you, you don't see things like that in public areas in the United States. Um, but that's a conversation for a different podcast. Um, and then we got up the next morning and, and departed back to the United States. Um, so just to, to wrap up this, this podcast, I, I just, I want to, um, I want to just express my gratitude to, uh, everyone, um, who made that program possible. Um, but, but most of all to the, these World War II veterans, in particular Jack Foy, and, and I expressed my eternal gratitude to him. He's, he and his generation are an inspiration to me and so many other uh, active duty and, and retired military veterans who have worn the uniform, who have deployed, who have served um, in, in tough situations. Uh, we had it easy compared to men like Jack. I mean, this, this man, he fought for months in below zero temperatures, fighting quite literally for his life. Uh, against a well-trained and vicious, um, um, lethal enemy in the German military, especially at the beginning um, of the of the of the invasion, um, and, and it, it really is amazing just to to be a part of that, um, to be a part of that program, to 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 witness firsthand uh, the appreciation that the Norman people have for their liberators. Um, and, and as I, I gave a, a small, a very short talk uh, at one of the dinners, and I just, one thing that, that was made evident to me as a part of the program, obviously the, the number one mission for um, the, the, the program was to, to take care of those who took care of us, to honor these veterans, to give them closure, to give them an experience where they can truly be proud um, of their service. Not that they're not, but... Um, you know, sometimes in America, it's, it's, it's hard to look at things the way that everything's turned out um, and, and have a lot of reason for hope or joy. Trust me, a lot of veterans express that sentiment, um, which is extremely sad, but it is what it is. But for them to go over there and see a different story in France, uh, to see a country that is, or at least a region of a country that is still um, in relatively good shape, uh, where culturally they're strong, um, you know, they, they, they seem to have done pretty well compared to some of the more populated areas of the United States that I've seen. Um, and it really, um, that was fun for, for, for me to see, was to see the joy that was on the, the faces of these veterans um, who, who know at, the, at, the, at the, the sunset years of their life um, that they truly were a part of something special and that they, they brought liberty, they brought freedom to these people in Normandy. Um, 
and that is forever part of their legacy, and it's a part of everyone's legacy who has served this country in uniform. Um, that, you know, our military might be a woke dumpster fire now, but at least at some point in our past, uh, we stood for something good. So um, I, I wanted to, to express my appreciation um, for that, but I, I also, you know, wanted to, to say that for, for all of us, um, the, the second part, the, the second purpose, I think, of the program was, was hopefully that everyone would be inspired um, and that they would, um, they would decide to live a life that was worthy of such a, an endeavor, of such a sacrifice. Um, and that even though so much that's going wrong in our country is totally out of our control, um, you know, we can, if our audience, as I said on my opening podcast, if our audience is God in history, um, we may not be honored in this life, um, in this brief, this brief moment between the two eternities, before life and after death, uh, just, we had this brief interlude on earth, and even though it might not be popular now, um, if, if our audience has gotten history, and we're standing for the right things, and we're controlling what we can control, then in my book, we are honoring the legacy of the generations, the warriors, the statesmen who, who forged this country. Um, and even though if the country at large is, is spiraling um, in, in pockets of it, in cities and towns and families, uh, in certain places, um, we can still live up to the, the ideals that those great men fought for. Uh, so I, I appreciate you tuning in this week. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed this recap of my week or 10 days in Normandy, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.